We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Got a great guest today, Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. Um, He joins me to talk about uh, things directly related to the Knicks, tangentially related to the Knicks. Um, And we have a really good conversation. Recorded that on Monday. Uh, Just a quick note, one thing we did not touch on because news of this dropped uh, on Tuesday night uh, is the Jalen Brown contract extension. I know just from got some texts, uh, scrolling through Twitter, a lot of people are uh, a little bit taken aback, a little little bit of sticker shock with that number. I think it's the is it the first three hundred million dollar contract in NBA history? I think so. Um, Look, it's the nature of the beast. The fact of the matter is Jalen Brown is. Uh, he's an All-NBA, two-way wing in his mid-20s. Are there concerns on offense? Are there concerns on defense? Yes, yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you're a certain level of player, your team essentially loses um, any realistic negotiation ability, which is why, as has been reported over the last month, it was never a question of whether they were going to give him the Supermax, which he's eligible for based on years of service time, based on the fact that he was drafted by the Celtics and um, he made All-NBA, so he qualifies for an additional 5% of the cap. There was never any question that they were going to give it to him. It was about crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Um, look, the same thing happened with Mike Connolly you know, six, seven years ago when everybody was like, how is a non-all-star point guard signing the richest contract in NBA history. It's because when the cap goes up and you get a situation where a player is able to extend uh, with the team that drafted him, and usually that means they could sign for a little bit extra money in an additional year, and the player is of a certain caliber, you're going to get these crazy numbers. And the cap just went up. Brown was the one guy this summer who... You know, met all the criteria, service time, supermax eligible, the whole thing. If there were other guys in his in his boat, you know, other all NBA or near all NBA level players around the same age range, the whole thing, like you would have seen more three hundred million dollar contracts handed out. And next summer, there's going to be, I guarantee you, a bigger supermax extension handed out. And the summer after that, and the summer after that, and they're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Sometimes it's going to be for a guy who is a legitimate MVP candidate. Um, you know, but sometimes it's going to be two players that are a level below that. And I think if you're looking at the NBA and you're trying to figure out, well, like, where's the real competitive advantage? The best competitive advantage you could have is if you draft a Nikola Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo or, you know, uh, a, a Luka Doncic. Um, maybe there's, you know, obviously going back further, a LeBron James, a, a Tim Duncan, you know, a Michael Jordan, whatever. Like, obviously, there was a different CBA back then. But the point is, if you draft one of these truly generational star level players who, without question, can be the best player on a championship team, um, the you're 
the amount that you're going to pay them is the same as the amount that you're going to pay players that are one tier down from that level. You know, your Jalen Browns of the world, your, uh, you know, your Carl Anthony Townses of the world, uh, you know, even your Zach Levines of the world. And you're, you know, I could go on and on for players who are kind of like, I, I'm, I don't know why those are the, the but those are the names that came to, to my mind because those are the names that have been bandied about in trade rumors with the Knicks. But the reason why those players are so available is because, again, it's not a perfect system in the NBA. And when you are, yeah, let's call it roughly a top 25 player, top 20, top 25, maybe top 30 player, it's just understood that there's no negotiation. You're going to get the max unless you're old on the older side, you know, which we're seeing now with Paul George and James Harden and that thing. But if you're if you're an all NBA player in your 20s, um, barring exigent circumstances like uh, someone who's maybe has questions about their ability to fit as a top two piece on a on a title team. Hello, Julius Randle. Um but like J- Jalen Brown doesn't have those questions. Um, yes, there's questions about him as a player, but he's a, again, he's a two way wing who could shoot. He could defend. He could switch like put the ball on the floor, albeit not a great passer and can't go left. But you get the point. Um, and it is an e- unequal system. And it does create, again, an incredible advantage if you're lucky enough to draft one of those guys, those top three, four, five, six guys um, that really give you a chance to win a championship. And if you're someone who drafts someone below that, you know, it creates it creates dicey questions for you, which is why you get situations like the Bulls trading Jimmy Butler, uh, whatever it was, four, five, six years ago, because they're like... We uh, they knew they would have to pay him the max to keep him, and they're like, we feel like he's a, a level below the sort of player that is re- like you know really truly deserving of that money. Now the Bulls were proven wrong, so shame on them. But you know you get the point, and um, it's again it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, it, it's t- the the contract has little to do with Brown himself and more to do with again just the fact that there are a finite number of elite players in the NBA. And if you don't pay your elite player, uh, even if they are an elite, elite, elite player, somebody else is going to be happy to pay them, which is why Jalen Brown got all this money. And yes, as many Nick fans have pointed out, does it make the Jalen, uh, the Julius Randle and obviously in particular, the Jalen Brunson contracts look like absolute steals? Yes. Are they going to be steals for long? No, uh, especially the case of Jalen Brunson, which is why I pushed back a little bit when Fred suggested on the last pod that maybe Brunson would, um, you know, extend for a number that would be less than he'd be able to extend for if he made it if he went to free agency. And I'm sitting here looking at Jalen Brown and like, you know, who knows? Maybe Jalen Brunson wants to do the Knicks a solid in in two years, or I guess next summer he could extend next summer. And, and ink for less than he'd be eligible to if he declined his player option in two years and tested free agency. Maybe he wants to do them a solid. I don't know. But like, there's no question, again, that Jalen Brown or Jalen Brunson, like, he doesn't need to be in the Jokic, Giannis, Luka tier of players to get the absolute most that a team is allowed to pay him. He could be in the next level down, which is where he is and which is why he's going to get paid as much as he wants to. We'll see about Julius Randle again. Julius is a little bit of a dicier case. Um, but then again, you know, you look at a guy like Demonte Sabonis, who, uh, you know, is Demonte Sabonis a better player than Julius Randle? Yeah, probably all things considered he is. But quirky fit because he's a center, doesn't really defend. Uh, how far can you go with those sorts of guys uh, unless they are essentially, you know, truly elite offensive players from every spot on the floor, which Sabonis is, is not quite at that level, although he's very good. Um, and even Sabonis got a $200 million extension. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's the reality of where we're at in the NBA. Uh, the only thing that it's been this reality for a while. The only thing that changes are the numbers and the numbers keep going up. So because the number keeps going up with the cap, uh, the numbers on max, max extensions continue to go up as well. And uh, that is about all I have to say about that. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Joining me now on the next Film School podcast, returning guest, friend of the pod. Hope he considers himself friend of the pod. And most importantly, my neighbor here in... I'll just say Brooklyn. Leave it, leave it general. We don't we don't want people stalking him because he is something yeah. of a celebrity. <laughs> uh, Michael Scotto of Hoopsype. How are you, man? What's up, brother? Uh, you can be considered a paisan, a friend, definitely a neighbor, close enough. Um, I thought that was you that almost backed into me with your car the other day, but I don't want to say <laughs> nothing. And then, uh, you know, we'll get, you, we'll, get me. we'll get you out of the game in uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park one of these days when I get the band together. But it's good to be on. Um, hope the summer's treating you well so far, and Andrew, your producer as well. Uh, summer's been so far so good. I'm I'm in the middle of a couple different things. Got got a few balls in the air, as they say. But uh, no, I feel like I mean, let's start there. I feel like it's been a fairly quiet summer as far as our our line of work is concerned. I mean, let me. I'll, I'll let's start with this because I said I wanted to touch on the Philly situation and the Portland situation too, both of which you've you've done reporting on. And I feel like, you know, the hardened trade demand came out and I forget when the Lillard trade. Well, it's, yeah, I guess essentially the trade demand, but they were v- very close together in time. And there's been little rumblings here and there, but like there's it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of movement. So I'll just start by asking you, based on what kind of you're hearing and everything you know of right now. Do you feel like the league is in a standstill or do you think that there's a chance that within the next couple, let's say weeks, you know, we're going to be getting an alert from you uh, that, that something big is going down? I mean, look, I definitely think the league is in a standstill right now between Miami with Lillard and Philadelphia with James Harden. A lot of guys on back end of rosters are eagerly anticipating slash hoping something gets done soon because right now there's so many people out there that are waiting that are just on these like minimum offers that they don't want to take. They're waiting for something better. Um, You know, there's, there's still some good quality players out there and some guys are wondering if, you know, maybe they'll get looped into the trade talks. Like, um, you know, I think one example of that is uh, Jaime Jaquez who Miami took in the Mm -hmm. first round. He can't be traded yet because of when he signed his contract, I believe his date is July 31st. Uh, so, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on as well in in those talks, but you know, at the end of the day, the the other scenario there is I've touched on it. I know like others have certainly as well, but where does then Tyler hero land? Does he land in Brooklyn? Does he land in Utah? Does he land in Toronto? Does he land somewhere else? Um, I do think that he can, you know, bring back a first round pick. I know he's got a, a higher salary and a lot of teams are worried about, uh, the second apron, except for Matt Ishbia, who could care less. Um, <laughs> he you doesn't know. know what an apron is. Yeah. Uh, the only apron that Matt Ishbia is worried about is uh, maybe like the bib or something when he's sitting down for dinner. That's about it. He's not worried about a tax apron. That's for sure. He's all in. And he should be with the Suns after getting the ramp. But, um, you know, Jonathan, I mean, for the league, it's just really waiting to see, you know, with Harden and Lillard. And I think... I'll start with Harden first because uh, sure. I did more recent reporting on that with PJ Tucker's name coming up in some of those talks. A um, couple things there. Number one, I mean, Harden took a lot less money to stay in to to sign with Philly previously, so they could bring in PJ Tucker, which they did. Um, and you know, there was a thought from people around the league certainly that okay, Daryl Morey, his buddy, his longtime biggest supporter of anybody in the league would eventually take care of him later on in the back end, which was supposed to be now. That didn't happen. 
And so, you know, you look at the moves for Philadelphia this offseason and they lose George Niang, they lose Shake Milton, they lose Jalen McDaniels, and they, you know, quadruple up at center with now Embiid, Mo Bamba, Montrez Harrell, and you retain Paul Reed in restricted free agency. Okay. I, I don't know if, you know, when you look at the roster, they're not a better team. And if you trade hard and you're certainly not going to be better with, you know, the reported packages that are out there kind of from the Clippers, you hear all these names about, you know, whether it's like Robert Covington, Morris, even if it's Terrence Mann, a pick, uh, to me, I don't think, I don't, I don't see that moving the needle as much for them. And if you're PJ Tucker, um, you know, either way, you know, he, he doesn't, he's not really going to control his destiny like that, but certainly for the Clippers, they would like to, to bring him in a, a rugged defender and a guy that sure, yeah. can lock up multiple that. positions. He shoots the corner three. That's pretty much what he does at this point in his career. Um, and James is familiar with him and is, as a good friend. So, you know, I think you're in a still a bit of a standstill there. Uh, for Philly, it's how much are you going to tolerate a disgruntled Harden in camp? We've seen him when he wants his way out in Houston. Brought out the, you know, I know they joked about the fat suit. He definitely came in out of shape. Um, and then, you know, I've had a couple of big games and then, you know, made his displeasure known in press conferences in Brooklyn. I remember the Sacramento game vividly. Um, Were you at that game? Oh, uh, no, it was in Sacramento. Oh, okay. I, I just remember him nonchalantly, we'll put it, playing defense. And it was pretty clear. Um, you know, he looked like a, like a traffic cone. You could just go right by it. So uh, it was known at that point he didn't want to be there either. So now if he goes to camp in Philly, you know, Philly's had the Ben Simmons issue in camp previously. To go from that to now Harden potentially a couple of years later, if they don't get it done, a uh, trade done in the offseason would be interesting. But Daryl Morey, Daryl, for, for those of your listeners that are watching on video, and I'll, I'll narrate it for like the audio listeners, he, he starts the negotiation outside the frame. Okay. Then he brings it in maybe to the top corner. Then somewhere... If you're lucky, you're going to get a little bit lower than that. And and right now, he's in a bit of a tough spot because if you're moving hard in, it has a domino effect, which I'm sure you probably wanted to get into. But well, let's let's stick with that for a second because I the most fascinating part of all of this, to me at least, mm-hmm. is everybody assumed that that Maury, I mean, goes without saying, was going to want to trade Harden for something you know, that he, he could ba- essentially replicate maybe not what Harden does. Cause he's a very unique player, but like something close to it, but then he doubles down and he goes on the record and he says it on the radio show that he went on in Philly where he's like, well, we're either getting a star back or pieces that we could trade for star, which to me, the only translation as far as, and you brought up the Clippers is, well, that means Terrence Mann and maybe two first round picks. Cause to me, that's the only package that is good enough that if you're going to then turn around and maybe flip it at the deadline or something for whoever the next, you know, disgruntled star is. And even then that might be a little light. So, I mean, I'm from the outside looking in and obviously a lot of people around the NBA have already, you know, been, been talking about this. To me, it seems like a situation of hoop links first. I mean, and maybe that's over some simplifying things between the Clippers and Daryl Morey, because if you're the, if you're, the Sixers, what's worse? Like Harden is out there on the court playing like he did when he wanted out of Houston and then later when he wanted out of Brooklyn or Harden, you know, being in a situation where the Sixers are like, you know what? Stay home. I, I, is Or is that even an option? I To me, that situation is more untenable than the idea that the Clippers are going to have to go into this season with, you know, whether it's Russell Westbrook as a starting point guard, dealing with your usual injuries from Paul George or, or Kawhi, because they've been, that, they're used to that. So it's like, they know they could exist in a world without Harden. The Philly thing to me is extraordinarily yeah. untenable, but I, I, I'm curious your opinion on that. Well, that's fair. I mean, for, first of all, if you're the Clippers, you've had two players that haven't been able to stay healthy either in Paul George and Kawhi yes. Leonard. I get the thought of bringing in Harden and forming a big three. Makes sense for both Harden, for a guy who's trying to win a championship, and 
um, for the Clippers. I mean, <clears throat> I think to your point, yeah, LA, I guess of the two teams can certainly wait on it more, but for Philly, how much better are you with Covington, Morris, potentially Terrence Mann, a pick now? And then the flip side of that is, I think the real domino, I'll say, is how does then Joel Embiid feel about it? Well, that's what we're getting at here. You know, I, to me, that, that that's as much... Because clearly Philly in some form hasn't wanted to go, whether it's the money, the years, whatever you want to call it. They haven't wanted to go where James Harden and his camp have wanted to go in free agency and on a new deal. So, and you know that going in. And it's why like he picked up the option. So then, you know, with with Embiid, it's like I would think on paper, they're certainly better with Harden than without. But, but Jonathan, the thing that gets me is either way, they lost a lot of de- like good depth pieces. I, I still think they're like not as lo- good. They're not as good. I think losing Niang hurts. Milton, you know, whatever. I've, I've seen Philly Twitter sometimes say whatever, but McDaniels is a good enough rotation player too. I, I, I mean, unless Maxi takes a leap, which I think Maxi's an interesting player. I mean, I to some extent, I wonder if we need to see him not alongside Harden to see what he's really capable of kind of a little bit like Emmanuel quickly when he actually got a chance to start, you know, a couple of games, Jalen Brunson was out, whatever else the case mm-hmm. may have been this year, you know, a chance to shine Maxi. I wonder if he needs to be, you know, out of the shadow. Other than that though, I, to me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, whatever happens this year, I, I still think, and I love Joel Embiid. I would, I would do anything to get Joel Embiid in a, so with in a, the Knicks. Listen, I, <laughs> you don't have to sell me on it. He's been my guy for years. I, listeners of this show know I've been cooking up fake Joel Embiid trades, you know, um, <laughs> since, since before we were on YouTube. Um, mm. But like, you would think that he's at least going to give them until next summer, because that's the other thing we keep hearing, right? I mean, and let me ask you this idea that the Sixers, I, I don't know, is it a backup plan? or the backup to the backup plan, well, at least we're going to have, you know, it could be $60, $70 million, whatever it is, in cap space next summer. Okay, fine, but you know the list of potential free agents as well as I do. The likelihood that those guys, there's going to be a ton of guys actually out there in free agency that aren't going to extend, A, and B, that they're going to be right the right fits, that they're going to want to go to Philly. That's, I don't know, to me, this is all walking a tightrope. Okay, so with that, a couple things. One, if you are trying to maximize cap space, then you would think you would try to put PJ Tucker in the trade, as I alluded to. Absolutely, yes. Number one. Number two, um, regarding the cap space, well, Daryl could also try to use it to take on a contract that is maybe not deemed as valuable to another team. Like like Ben Simmons. (laughs) I mean, you know, look, there's been a lot of talk. I'm just throwing an example. Sure. Not reporting, to be, to be clear. Correct. Um, though I'm sure the aggregators don't care. Um, you know, like like a guy like a Zach Levine with a high salary, for okay. example, has been sure. dangled out there. So if you're a team with cap space down the line, you could theoretically absorb that. I don't know if that... I, I'm not saying that's Philly's goal there, but just because you have cap space doesn't mean you got to be the Houston Rockets and sign all free agents. You can use it to, uh, you know, trade for guys. So, but going, you know, for your Knicks listeners, you know... Uh, our people locally here. I mean, I, I think the elephant in the room is everybody, including the Knicks, are like monitoring this very much so because if Embiid gets disgruntled, we've seen in this league how players can try to force their way out and try to steer it towards the destination they want. Uh, Keith Pompey was recently on Sirius XM radio talking about I, I potentially Joel Embiid, um, you know, to the Knicks a little bit. If, if, if it was a possibility, which could be down the line, he talked about it. Um, and he's their beat guy, you know? So, I mean, it's what I would say is the more smoke you get, the more there, there could be fire, but, um, the Knicks have certainly wanted a star. They have been clamoring for a star, especially if they're not um, finalizing a Donovan Mitchell trade. So 
Um, well, we got one star now. Jalen Brunson. Yes, exactly. You got yeah. to call it call Spade Spade here. Yeah, but you know what, Jonathan? You got to maximize Jalen Brunson now, uh, in my opinion. Like, Jalen's, absolutely. Jalen's in his prime. And I think... Time is now. You know, you, you're right. Jalen Brunson's an all-star caliber player, but that's great. If you want to maintain where you got in the playoffs last year or do better, you got to improve the team. We know this from two years ago. We've seen what Julius Randle does in the playoffs. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson had a great series against the, the Cavaliers. Then and he was exposed. Then you go to the next round. It's okay. A little different ball game. Yep. So still a good defensive center and, and fits what they do well. You know, it is, I think the other question for Nick, for the Knicks to figure out is, which R.J. Barrett are you getting? Are you getting the guy that you know worked with Drew Hanlon on his shot, his trainer, and then came out uh, in the most recent playoff series and was dropping 20-plus points a game on efficient shooting from the field, and his three-point shot looked really good? Which R.J.? Because like that was the R.J. Barrett you thought you were getting maybe after his second year in the league. I am extremely encouraged by what we saw from R.J. in the playoffs. I, I think to pretend like the the season that we just saw the regular season forget before the postseason to pretend yeah. like that didn't happen because he was it, he was not good this year um and there's no really way around that so hence to the me, Paul George like, talks yeah yeah I mean for well let's do you want to stick on that for a second I mean why, why not I mean I touched on it on hoop I might as well I mean yeah. look, they, that was that was a a decision for for the Knicks that they had a debate like once you know, I get when they were first trying to put like Obi Top in and, and quickly in that package together with the picks. Um, but obviously for the Clippers, that wasn't going to be no ideal. And then it's like, okay, well, then the flip side to that is do you put RJ Barrett in it? Obviously for the Knicks between that and the picks, it's like, eh, a little too much. Paul George is older. Okay. On the flip side of that, internally, they did have to debate, well, is RJ Barrett ever going to be as good as Paul George? You know, could he, does he have the upside or is the totality of RJ, the, the, the three picks and then having to pay Paul George, who I believe is 34, uh, you know, a long-term extension, whether, even if you give him a max or not, it, that, the, let's say four the, year max. I yeah, mean, the trio, it's, it's, you're 200 million into that, it, that know? trio of assets, just, it didn't do it ultimately for the Knicks, but I think it certainly raised a question there for them internally, if it was worth it or not, you know, around I, the uh, draft and whatnot. I've said repeatedly, I think if you're looking and again, this is this is an important if you're looking to have the ideal basketball player to fit between Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, which, again, maybe Julius Randle's not going to be here two or three, whatever years down the line. So that's, you know, is that even a question? Do you even want to start out with that as the premise? That's one question. But if that is the premise that you're starting out with, you want to build the best team where you're putting a great player in between Brunson and Randall. I think there's there's no better fit than than Paul, other than like maybe Kevin Durant. I don't think there's a better fit than Paul George. We know he's friends with Julius Randall. Julius went on his podcast, the whole thing. To me, that question is more, you know, do you want to shift your timeline? Because like you just said, Jalen Brunson's in his prime right now, right? Does that mean you want to shift your timeline that far, you know, up? Because, you know, five years from now, RJ Barrett's probably going to be a more productive player than Paul George. But like maybe the Knicks are in his, I mean, ultimately the fact that they didn't decide to go there to me says like, we're not going all in for the next two years. Because to me, if you trade for Paul George, that's essentially what that means, right? You're going all in for yeah, the next couple of years. I would agree with yeah. that assessment. Yeah, and I don't know. Is that a championship team? I think it's a damn good team. I, you know, maybe if things break right, you win a couple of playoff rounds. Is that a championship team though? I, I don't know. Which is why, as much as I love Paul George, as much as I love fantasizing about the fit with Paul George on the they, Knicks, um, they got a know, little not, bit of a runway. Which I mean, look, I know you and I, and probably Nick fans are certainly thinking that that are listening to your podcast that well, Jalen, the time is now. But and, I mean, look, they could. He's twenty six. Yeah. I mean, you could wait another year, you know, see sure. what happens with Embiid and, and whatnot. Like other guys are still going to be out there in those potential trades. But um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, with the Knicks, they have certainly showed a level of patience. Would, would you be speaking of patience? 
would you be surprised mm-hmm. if let's say the Clippers got off to, and again, this is why the Harden thing every, has everything to do with all of this, right? Uh-huh. If the Clippers got off to I don't know, 21 and 20 start after the first 41 games halfway through the season, would you be surprised if we started to hear that they are perhaps more amenable to a, a more significant shakeup um, than maybe they are right now? Well, first of all, is that with or without Harden? I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, it, you know what? what well, we're do gonna... you think Harden? Let, let's start there. Just again, you're not reporting. This is, I'm asking your opinion. You have to put, place your chip right now. Yes or no? Does is Harden starting the season as a Clipper? Hmm. I'm thinking about this. I, I am because I mean, to me, like right now, I, I personally think like it's a toss up. Because could I see it going into camp? I could see it dragging out a little bit more. Because if you know one thing about Daryl Moore, he's going to squeeze the orange. Sure. Um, You know, there's going to be no pulp by the time he's done, ideally. Um, So I I could see it lasting through training camp. But again, we'll see. What's funny to me about all this is it seems like with the Harden stuff, just through reporting, through whoever it is, it's always like there's one report that comes out, then another couple of days later, well, he still wants out. Well, that's great, but he still wants out. Uh, the, you know, there's a tra- yeah, there's trade talks. Yep, yep, he, it's it's going to happen. He's forcing. It's like I don't know. So I mean, to me, I the the thing that what I would say, Jonathan, is the NBA operates a lot on deadlines, and I don't think there's like a firm deadline right now. So usually, like going into training camp, kind of moves the needle. Certainly, before a season moves the needle, um, it's not a hard deadline, but it's an inherent one. So I think the closer you get towards those dates, the better chance you have. Unless something, you know, I don't know. There's always social media. And, you know, <laughs> and that's the other thing. And I'm not in the business of deciphering like, oh, got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And you know, I don't, not I'm not Instagram into that. Guy. I'm not, I, I have it to like keep tabs and see whatever, but it's like, I, I'm not a fan of it, of just like the whole, oh, well, this, this, you know, cryptic message. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, so that's gonna, is that gonna be the thing that moves the needle? Like, you remember we had like a few summers ago, like the emoji summers. Oh, that was a while ago. That was the, was that like DeAndre Jordan? Yeah, that, the rocket, you know, Paul Pierce, I think one time had a rocket ship. You know, somebody should have put a chair for, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan that summer, but you know, whatever. I mean, (laughs) it is what it is. I, I just get a kick out of it. And then, you know, We'll be in the middle of like July or August and, you know, I'll put out like either like if I have contract stuff for something on people to be like, that's cool. Announce the trade. It's like, well, that's cool. But, you know, it's not up to me. That's up to other, you know, well, hours it be to bring this back to reality for a second. And what I, I I'm like you, I'm I don't have I don't have time for all the nonsense. However, there is so much nonsense. It seems like from the outside looking at I'm not. You've you've covered this. God knows so close um, with Harden, though, mm-hmm. that like the fact that they, like what is, is there any other suitor that might even emerge? And I don't I don't see that being the case. I mean, the I never were mentioned, but that was I mean, uh, it seems like that was really nothing. Well, there. I mean, <laughs> all right. Like, just co- I have a couple of thoughts on that one. I never got the the sons. No, chat. I never I never got uh, me personally. I never got it. You know. Um, that was one. Two, the Knicks. I mean, sure, there's a courtesy call there. Make a phone call, okay. and you can make you can make an offer. But what are you going to trade for the guy for if you're going to inherit the same issue that Philly has? You don't want that. So it's him using his leverage in the final year of his contract to kind of steer the ship where he wants to go, for better or worse. So it's like, sure, teams called, but he is. Kind of made it clear, like, all right, this is where I want to go. So, well, if that's the case, then I I'm almost thinking, you know, again, going back to the situation with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Let's assume he ends up there, for argument's sake. Okay, I almost wonder if he's there and they're still struggling with him there. But then again, what are the odds of that happening? I don't know. I, I almost wonder if him getting traded there makes it more likely that they stick it out or more likely that they are, are more amenable to, 
you know, maybe again, doing a, a, a additional would, shake up in addition to that. I would think stick it out, Jonathan, because at that point you make your bed, you're sleeping you, in it. You're sleeping in it. Okay. I think that's, it's, it especially be, if there's a pick going out in the, in it the might bed. not be as, you know, it might be as comfortable as like a water bed or something, but you got to sleep in the bed and you make it that, you make it that far. You go all in. I mean, come on. I've never slept <laughs> in a water bed. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I imagine it might be comfortable, but I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, if the Clippers are starting out 21 and 20, they, you know, I don't know if you're returning the mattress to Sleepies or Serta, but here we are. Well, we'll, we we'll you, can, you can get back to me on that in the middle of the year. We'll see where we're at. I will. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We went for a while on that. I wanted to touch on the Portland thing. You know what? Listen, Dame has been talked about enough. I do want to uh, focus on Hero for a second, though, because yeah, that's you've fine. done a, you've done a lot of reporting on Tyler Hero, um, which he's he's a he's a figure of interest. I feel like for Nick fans because I know I he wasn't actually you know he was taken in the in the same, yeah that's right I forgot for a sec he was taken in the same draft as RJ. I feel like those two guys are compared a lot. Sure. I feel like the thing that they have in common for as much as they are different, very different types of players is mm-hmm. it, it, there seems to be, again, from the outside looking in a lack of consensus about, well, what, what are, what is the value of these guys? Like it is. So like, that's why I think the hero situation right now is so fascinating because clearly Portland wants, you know, Miami to flip him somewhere for, I yeah, Portland. What, Portland doesn't need him. They got Simon. Yeah, exactly. Jaden Sharp. Like he, he was never going to be a guy that that fit. With so, it, is Hero a guy that can fetch? Like, is is there a? All it takes is one, right? But is there a team in the league, maybe even a team that that plays down the block from us, that looks at Tyler Hero and says, "We, we really value this guy. We're going to give up a blue chip." Pick whatever you consider the most blue. I don't chip know pick if I would say know. a blue chip pick. I think that could yeah, they get so that's a, what I'm asking you. What, what can do you they, think? Can they get like a, a protected first round pick of some kind? That I is believe. that it though that Tyler Hero is worth. I, I that's what I'm asking. I to me, that's it, my that's my opinion. I that's I your opinion. Okay, I could see it. I mean, look, here's the other thing, Jonathan. You know, we talked about like the Utah Jazz is one of the three teams, Toronto, yes. Brooklyn, and I mean, I'm sure that there are others quietly that have made calls. They just maybe haven't gotten out yet. But I think with, um, you know, you, you look at Utah, for example, going in, they went in on John Collins. Now, granted, sure. they, you know, the return wasn't, you know, it's a ham sandwich. That's fine. We'll go with, ham. We'll, we'll go with a cold cut. Um, so for Bloody me, it's, idiot. so for me, it's like Tyler hero is a guy that say what you want, but six man or not guys scoring 20 points a game. That's my point. Is I I I think I, I look at him. I but again, I think he's a fascinating examination because you have very legit shot creation, right? He could shoot. He's a legit shooter from from deep. He could create his own shot. The whole thing got some passing. I mean, the passing's got a little bit better over the years, but he doesn't defend. Mm-hmm. And you know, is that ever going to get better? Okay, maybe not. Is he ever going to be? You know, one of your like a guy who's like a top two guy in terms of shot creation on a, a team that's really going to go all the way. I don't think so. So if the answer to that question is no, then it's like, all right, well, so what is he always going to be? He's always going to be a six man, right? So like, what do you? Or, well, 
whether he's like a six man or a starter and like he played both roles for Miami. His statistics were pretty much the same the past two years. If you look at them on like sure. you know, yes. basketball reference or something, just to me, I just think like there's, there, there should be a team out there that in theory would be able to give up a protected first or the equivalent of that. You know, it's like that could mean a young player that's on a rookie. Sk- it, there's different versions of that, but when, when people say that stuff, especially like executives or stuff gets leaked like that, it's like it's the equivalent of it. Whether it's a decent young player that's on a controllable salary, you can keep him through restricted free agency, like or protected first round pick. Like when you say blue chip to me, uh, first round pick, that to me is a lottery pick or below. That's I don't see that. Okay, I don't see that. So that's interesting. To me. I so could then see, I, if you want to tell me like something in the twenties, I could see that. I could see that because that's a worthwhile risk to me. His salary is what it is. It also depends on the team with, you know, like the thing with the Nets is that depends on the roster construction, you know, like, so I think he's a good, a good fit for Brooklyn with all of their wing defenders. I think, yeah, but like the the other thing with that is like, so, okay. If theoretically, sure, Ben Simmons was in that package, then are you really as concerned about Tyler Hero's salary? Probably not. Probably no. not. But if he's not, well, then you got to figure some stuff out. And then who's going? Because you got all these wing guys, you know, the, the Royce O'Neills, the Dorian Finney-Smiths of the world. They just kept Cam Johnson. Um, so, okay, like, then what's the moving piece there um, to make it work for, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear what he's getting flipped. Um, you know, Utah, you know, like last year, people thought like, oh, okay, they're going to stink and tank. Nope, didn't happen. Danny Ainge, you know, they were better than people thought. Lowry Markinen became an all-star. I don't know if everybody had that on their bingo card, but, you know, B-I-N-G-O. And so it's like, okay, now you got to, you, you don't hold back the laugh. I could see it on your face. It's my, daughter, my daughter's favorite song. You know, so to me, it's like, all right, now, you know, maybe he, he, he helps with with Utah, then I don't know. Do they can they get off like Sexton? Maybe like it. it there's different sure. variations of it, and, and then yeah. it's like, well, then then it makes it worth maybe throwing a pick out there. There's all these like combinations and talks, and Lord knows, there's way more talks that happen than all of us reporters report. Like, well, the, yeah, no, I there's I'm, of course I. The the reason I I find the Brooklyn hero situation interesting is I maybe it's I I mean I think it worked out for the best. But I was going to say maybe I still have a little PTSD from 2019 when Durant and Kyrie picked the Nets. I I look at the Nets and what they could offer in terms of a trade in terms of all their picks, the Phoenix picks, the Dallas pick, the, you know, all that stuff. Obviously, they have a lot of wings. I think the Cam Johnson contract is nice. Um, if if things do go south in Philly. And the big guy does ask out. I think Brooklyn put together a hell of a package. And I wonder, you know, what, mm. what, what are they, what are they thinking? What is their, what is their timeline? You know, are they, are they thinking along the same lines as the Knicks? Like we're just biding our time, biding our time, biding our time. And when the whale, you know, when we see the whale, we're going to, you know, we're going to oh, jump. Bro- yeah. Brooklyn, you're saying, okay. Yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, and yeah, and, so- and ha- how might getting hero, you know, does he make them considerably better this year as like kind of that, that self-creation threat alongside Mikhail Bridges. That's why I think there's a, it's funny how all this is interconnected. All this is interconnected. Okay. So I think for Brooklyn regarding like Tyler hero, again, like the, the impression that I've always heard was it was about the rash of construction. Now you wouldn't get further details like that, but if you read between the lines, that would imply that potentially if you're moving off Ben Simmons' contract, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, look, at the same time, uh, you know, Ben Simmons has looked healthier. Um, well, and uh, listen, he, I got to be, no, but Jonathan, like I watched him all last year. He couldn't move. Couldn't move. Okay. Back so was he, messed up. He can move now. So I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not saying whether to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I am telling you, the guy could not move as well. Clear, and it was clear as day. Um, he started to get a rhythm maybe after the 2025 game mark, but then there were lapses there. And, it, it, you know, he ultimately obviously needed the surgery, um, which you don't, you don't do unless like you really need it. That's sure. not yeah. like a, a 
small surgery. So for Brooklyn, you know, when you're asking like kind of big picture, I don't know if it's Embiid in particularly, but they did bring back picks and they learned from the Durant, Kyrie experience and Harden experience that it's about getting the right star. And so for Brooklyn, like Mikhail Bridges being there as a guy, they feel as a foundational piece. They like, they obviously like Cam Johnson. Um, but you know, Nick Claxton's a very intriguing center. And I do think eventually he's going to get a bag in free agency. He was a guy that, you know, when they had the big three and they were good, it was certainly top five in defensive player of the year conversation. Then, you know, whatever the team got worse. So with Joe Sy, I don't think you can ever rule out talks for a star player and, and Sean Marks because they have the assets like you talked about, but also like, look at Joe Sy with the Liberty. Okay. okay. I, I'm being serious. Like in the WNBA, like they have a, a trio yeah. of star players clearly. And, and they had that with the Nets for a brief time. Clearly that's <laughs> yeah. To, well, you said it, not me, but yes, you know, um, I'm, I'm happy to shit on the Nets any day of the week. Well, but I, but I also, but I, but on a serious note, I, I say this stuff not to as a hot take. I, I, I fear the Nets. I fear their. I fear them as far as I do think that there is legitimately good stuff that happens in that organization. I do. They're think certainly they calculated. Yeah, like obviously the the KD and Kyrie thing blew up in their faces, and which is you know when you go into business with those guys, that's. The, the risky run and it, it did not well at the end well, well i'll say this kd like that was a package deal yeah of course obviously. so i mean for them you know did i did i hmm. okay on. with Kyrie, it's like look you don't think certain people in the nets were like is this ideally what you want to do you don't think they did their background due diligence it was like yeah kevin durant Kyrie, and then you figure it out and then when they got hard and the whole league was shook, everybody was crying boo-hoo that they got like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin in the buyout market. Never forget. I remember, I remember that. I you remember got that. Mike James throwing lobs off the backboard of people. Like it was, it was a wild time. It was 16 games. God bless. It was, there's going to be a 30 for 30 on it. I guarantee on it. The, on the 500 minutes that they played together or whatever it was. I don't yeah, even know. I mean, it was the greatest, it was the greatest trio that never was for long. Um, and obviously part of that was Kyrie with the vaccine, Nash as the coach, which that totally changed everything. But look, I mean, I'm look, sure, I'm sure they, they learned some lessons. Yeah. So, I mean, I do think I think it's interesting you bring them up for Embiid. I kind of touched on it a little bit on Hoops Hype that, you know, ironically, depending on what happens with Damian Lillard and honestly, either way, I think to an extent, if Bam Adebayo is still on the heat. I saw I, you said something about that. Yeah. And, and it's just like, theoretically. They would trade him, though. Mike, I'm, just saying, the, him. I'm just saying, theoretically, Jonathan, think of it like, what if you're the Sixers, then what better piece would you get back as a oh, center than Bam? I I'm just saying from an optics standpoint um, that. The, the Sixers would love that. I'm not and, saying from a Sixers perspective. I'm saying, is Miami really giving up Bam? But if you're Miami him? also. You know, Embiid and Jimmy Butler have a relationship. I'm just saying, if yeah. you ever felt like you needed to make that move, you could. They're both good defensive players. I, I know Bam, you know, look, here's the thing. Joel Embiid's the MVP. I also don't want to, like, make this, like, black and white. But, like, at the end of the day, when you say, like, would Miami trade, uh, you know, Bam out of bio, I don't know yet. I'm just saying, like, as a theoretical but like we're not talking about no, I, an average yeah. center. You're talking about the MVP. MVP. It's like him and Jokic are the two best centers in the NBA. And I, you can flip a coin if you want. It depends what the price would be to upgrade. You know, I'm just saying. But I just don't think looking ahead down the line, if Embiid ever wanted out, I don't think you can count out the Miami Heat. And that's what I, I wrote. And I, listen, I stand by that 100%. No, nobody, as Andrew is my witness. Nobody has more respect, legitimate respect, all joking aside, for for Pat Riley and, and what he's built down there than me. All right. Um, we have about 10 minutes left. We have, we have directly talked about the Knicks, even though we've been dancing around it. Let's get a couple of quick ones. Sure. Um, DiVincenzo, it seemed like it was a fait accompli the whole way that he was going to yeah. end up in New York. It seemed like it was one of the worst kept secrets in the NBA. Yeah. Any any insight you have to offer there? I love him. I think he's going to be a good fit. I, I think he's going to be. I think he's a good player. Uh, what, what do you? Anything on Stephen Chenzo you want to share? 
yeah, hey, did you know that he played a Villanova with those guys? Like, wow, who could have heard that? Yeah, I know, shocking. Yeah, it, it would look. The Knicks had to spend their money. That was the guy. It was all along. I, I think it's just interesting that it's like, all right. Now they're overloaded a little bit at that guard spot. Absolutely. And I they're a little small, you know? Yeah. And it's like, okay, so is Josh Hart going to play some small ball four now? That's something they're going to have to figure out. I think um, they wanted, they, they looked at a lot of other people too. Like they did look at Bruce Brown, but once the Pacers broke the, the bank, that was done. And then um, they did look at Yuta Watanabe a little bit, which I thought interesting. was interesting. Um, I liked yeah, him. I, I had, didn't think that, that that was the way they'd go, but I like him. Yeah, but I mean, you know what? I said the same thing at first, but at the end of the day, for them, bring shooting, uh, definitely more size than Dante DiVincenzo. Not that it would have been one or the other, but you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, sure, yeah. As part of, you know, because right now, now you're like, okay, you move Obi top and you got a little bit of a hole at the four. You got like Isaiah Roby playing that. Like, they got to figure that out, I think, just so, as much as anything. That so and, and quickly, what is future? Well, I want to get back to quickly. So I wanted to finish on quickly because you've, you've done a lot of mm-hmm. reporting on quickly too. But in sure. regards to figuring out maybe the, the, the backup for I, my theory all along, um, which will probably not shock you, is that if the Knicks had their druthers in their dream world, okay. um, OG Ananobi would have gone on the table this summer and they would have been able to put together a package for OG because the nice thing about OG and there are other players who, who fit this description, but I think OG is probably the, the, the best one. Um, that's not a, like a star, a, well, maybe OG will become a star player, but you get my drift as someone who could be a starting three, obviously, but then slide seamlessly into, he's also your, your backup four and you kind of kill two, two bears with one stone. What's the trade package there? We could get into a whole thing. I don't want to waste time on it because, and this is what I want to ask you. It seems like he's not on the table by the reporting that I've seen, at least. Do you, mm-hmm. do you buy that Toronto is just going to continue like holding their cards and, and well, I mean, what's Tor- going on there? I mean, look, Toronto certainly dangles their guys. There's, there's no question about that. They've done it. What with, does that mean? Dang, like dangles, like you talk to any executive around the league, they'll tell you like Toronto has always like dangled their guys. If in terms of like, like Siakam's name has been out there. No, the, you haven't seen that. Masai. You haven't seen Masai or Bobby Webster or anybody come out and say he's off the table. No, you never. And with OG, OG's name came out there a bunch of times. Three first round picks got floated out there for him. That wasn't enough. Well, if that's not enough, then, you know, I don't know what is, to be honest with you. So that's because then the other thing now, Jonathan, is like, you got to pay this guy eventually. He's up for an extension and he's going to get probably more. And so the other thing you have too is him switching agencies. Who did he switch to? I I may have missed that one. You could throw it out there. I'll let you go ahead. (laughs) Nick's fans now. Yeah, no, everybody knows it's hint. It's three letters long. No, so yeah. like, but it, to me, that was like, I'll tell you this. Yeah. Um, Steph Bondi touched on it. I, you know, I know that it's true, but you know, it's like, you think Clutch is trying to get guys to the Knicks right now after the Cam Reddish situation? Like, nah, it left a little bit of a bad taste, uh, you know, in their mouth. So now it's like, okay, uh, OG was with them, not anymore. That to me, I, that also doesn't mean to me that you just automatically assume, okay, he's going to the Knicks. No, he, no, I don't. I didn't mean to imply that. I no, not I, you. I'm just saying I, I've like, seen like yeah. NBA Twitter and Knicks, no. you know, and like I get it. It's a funny joke, but I mean, if you're Toronto, I just think he's a great fit. I, I like him as a fit. Uh, talk if, about another guy who'd be a good fit between Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, I think OG would fit on a lot of teams. I just think with Toronto, oh, yeah, they got to figure player. out what are they doing with Pascal. Really, that that's the domino because to me. With Fred, they've lost guys before. They lost Kawhi Leonard for nothing. They lose Fred for nothing. I know they signed Dennis Schroeder, but it's like, yeah. all right. I mean, to me, with OG, it almost sounds like it's got to be like a godfather offer. If three first-round picks weren't enough before, what, what, what's it going to take? Well, that's, that's all well and good, but again, you just And if you're the it. Knicks, why would you do that, Jonathan, I, at this point? Well, I don't think I would. I think what I would do is I would wait until next summer. Now, obviously, the Knicks aren't going to have cap space, but if OG is able to just walk yeah. um, and there's a sign and trade pass, if the, if the situation facing Toronto then, which I guess was is not 
would not be that dissimilar to the situation that was facing them this summer, right? If you're if you got a guy who it's like we either figure out a sign and trade or we lose him for nothing. I'm still surprised they they couldn't work, they didn't they didn't do a sign and trade for Van Fleet, but I guess you know you just didn't have to, so there was no. Um, they kept Portal, so they want to keep winning. Yeah, Portal, excuse me. But yeah, I I just I think a lot of people are starting to look at the Toronto people I talked to, just Nick fans are looking at the Toronto situation and Masai in particular, and be like, are we sure this guy's like the you know has as good of a handle on on everything as yeah? As I mean, you like can believe, and you can keep OG and you know. He's still young. Like he fits their timeline. Sure. He's well, good. I, there's a reason I want him on the Knicks. He's a damn good player. Um, mm-hmm. What else did I want to hit? Oh, uh, you two things. Quick thing. Uh, Cause we got to get out of here. You mentioned quickly yeah. two quick things. Um, do you think it gets done before the deadline? I mean, those sorts of deals we know are way much too early. early. Yeah. I'm those being are honest with you. Way yeah, too no, early. The, but if you, Gut feeling, do you think? Well, let me ask you this. If it gets done with the with the Knicks, if it gets done, he's on the Knicks, they don't nothing else happens over the next several months, and it, the extension gets done with the Knicks. What what is a range of money that you foresee happening for for that annual value? Oh well, I touch on I mean, I think the floor is you're in the twenty million dollar range. So okay. a year annually. Um could it be a little bit more with incentives and things like that? Could Knicks love love their uh, love their incentives? Hey, I mean, look. So did the Nets with the Cam Johnson thing when it first came out, like 108 million. It almost broke like NBA Twitter before Elon Musk did. And then uh, instead, you know, it was like 90, 93. Like I had, you know, in that range yeah. with incentives that were likely, like as I reported, it makes you look at it differently. For quickly, um, you know, I, I, there's still a lot of time there and a lot of talks to be had. Um, They've got to figure it out. They got to decide if they have that appetite for around twenty million or more. Um, I would I would happily pay Emmanuel quickly twenty million. Um, we'll see if we'll see if him and his his representatives are are amenable to that. Uh, last thing you had, what I consider to be just one of the most interesting reports of the summer because it made so much sense after you reported it, is the proposed three way deal that fell apart. Between uh, Indiana, it was Indiana San Antonio, right, and the Knicks, where Fournier. No, is... no, no, Phoenix. Indiana. Oh, that's right. Sorry, Phoenix. My bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, sure. Yeah, for, Fournier is going to in, would have gone to any Knicks take on take campaign into what I um imagine. Yeah, the Suns would have gotten McConnell. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the Knicks taking taking yep. uh, pain into that into their the OB traded player exception. Yep. Um, do you, just in regards. To, to me, that that let me know that they are clearly still trying to figure out a way to parlay Evan Fournier into something that can benefit them. In that instance, it would have been it's an expiring large. contract, and they absolutely should. Yeah, so that's what that's that's what I want to ask you. Do you do you think they will be successful? Do you think there is someone that will eventually have the appetite around the league? Um, to say this is a we we like having this nineteen million dollar expiring contract on our books. I think so. And also, like, sh- everybody wants shooting. And I know he sat the bench a lot in New York last year, but Evan Fournier can shoot the ball. I do think somebody of will course. trade for him. I think bigger picture, um, as we get ready to wrap up, is, uh, you know, for the Suns, obviously, they were trying to move campaign. It happened. And for the Pacers, I think you got to look out for TJ McConnell now. I love TJ McConnell. I would not mind seeing him in the next uniform someday. Uh, not going to happen this summer, though, probably. All right. Uh, I've kept you for too long as it is. I got to go. You got to run. Uh, Michael Scotto, in case anybody listening somehow does not know where to find you and your reporting um, and all of the stuff that you do, uh, let them know. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, Twitter at Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, at Mike A. Scotto, uh, the Hoops High podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We'll have a new episode out this week. Um, and yeah, you can uh, find me on hoopshype.com as well, uh, where all else fails. All right. Hope you enjoyed that uh, convo, Mike. Go follow him uh, on Twitter and uh, obviously uh, check out all of his stuff on Hoopshype. Um, that is it for me. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's, everybody's enjoying their summer. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon with another episode. Peace out.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.